welcome aboard the Battleship Retention. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Um, I'm over the moon. Okay. Um, oh, why? The St. Louis Blues mm. are in the stand. Why are you upset about it? the St. Louis Blues are in the Stanley Cup final for the first time in my lifetime? Okay, well, that's exciting. For the first time in 49 years, they yeah. are in the Stanley Cup final facing off against the Boston Bruins, which is the team that they were beaten by 49 years ago. None of the that's same exciting. men, none of the same team members in either case. Oh, uh, see, I wanted to see happy. all the same. Bobby Orr is not still uh, <laughs> playing for the Boston Bruins, but uh, it's honestly, it's. Uh, it's incredibly exciting. It's something that, yeah. that I always, I think I always felt that like I will live to see this. I hope, you know, unless something happens, cause I knew the blues were like regularly a good team and have been for a while and just kept, uh, but it, um, it's almost surreal to, that it's happened. Something that literally has literally never happened in my, in my lifetime yeah. is, is happening. And maybe I'm being a bit of a, uh, at the time of this recording and probably at the time you're hearing this, unless you're listening to it late, the, the final hasn't even started. The first game is Monday, the 27th. Um, so that's the day this episode goes up. Um, uh, maybe I'm being, I, I know the Boston is the favorite, I think from a lot of pundits, but uh, I honestly think the blues have a really good chance given how strong, uh, uh, how strongly they've been, they've been playing and how unflappable they've been in, in the, in the recent playoff games. Um, but even if uh, look, I think they can win. Yeah. But this right now is something truly special that I'm feeling. Yeah. Anyway, so you asked what I was doing. You're going to get an honest answer. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. Uh, you said you were over the moon, and I my first thought was, oh, how exciting. I wonder what the, oh, right. But that's the thing is, you know, I, it, it doesn't have to apply in any way to me. Uh-huh. I can still be happy for you. Yeah. Like, it, you know, I can it can bore the shit out of me all day long. But as long as you're happy, I'm happy for you. Thank you. All right. Uh, good friends. So yeah, um, exactly. <clears throat> now, David, we've got stuff to talk about. But before we do, I wanted to regale you in a story. And I need to, you know, I need to tiptoe around this because uh, uh, it involves, you know, my my students. And, sure. and so I don't I'm certainly not going to say any names or anything like that. But uh, you should just change the names. Okay. <laughs> This guy's name is Janny. Yeah. Okay. Janny. <laughs> anyway, no, uh, I honestly, I don't even remember the student's name. Uh, okay. So, and I, I predict that as my teaching I career, say Mason. There, there you go. Yeah. Let's try to work that into every episode if we can. Um, so I think I'm going to, as my teaching career goes on, I think I will have more stories like this. So my students turned in their, <laughs> my students turned in their final papers, uh, for one of my classes. And so I was reading through them and the assignment is pick a movie from the last 20 years and then talk about it in terms of three of the following six stylistic elements. So it's cinematography, editing, visual design, music, sound, and I forget the last one now offhand. Music, sound, sound, sound. There's another one. Oh, well. Oh, color. Did I say color already? Uh, you said visual design. Yeah, color is a different... Yeah, okay. yeah I, we separate them out as far as the textbook. Anyway. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, so somebody picked the recent uh, Beauty and the Beast. 
uh, and talked about it. And so, and they did, it was a fine paper. They were, you know, did a good job. So it's a five page double spaced paper. And, uh, so I got to the end and it was clearly wrapping up. So I read what is clearly the last paragraph, but there's another paragraph after it. So I'm like, okay, that's odd. They're, they're drawing the, you know, this conclusion out quite a bit. (laughs) The paragraph after is all about the, it's clearly a conclusion paragraph. Mm Mm-hmm. All about the historical contribution uh, of Maya Angelou. (laughs) And so, you know, I was reading all these papers at once. And so they were all kind of running together. Uh, I mean, I was, or at least like I was present for each one. But when I got to that, I thought, wait, wait, what? And so I thought, did I zone out while I was reading this paper? And he, this person referenced uh, my Angelou earlier. And, uh, so I look back and I'm like, no, this is the first mention of it. It's like, okay, so I'm going to guess a, an unfortunate copy and paste, yeah. uh, uh, incident occurred. And, you know, and so I didn't want to mark too much off for that, but I had to mark something off because if the person had just read the, you know, read it over, Gave it gave it a once over before they turned it in or before they printed okay. it off. But also, you remember being this age? Would you have done? Would yes, you, you gave. Oh yeah, maybe I wasn't. I was a. I was. A, that's the thing is, I also I don't want to hold students to the same uh, standard that I would hold myself when I was a college student writing a paper. I wasn't good at much uh, okay. as a student, but I was good at writing papers. But I realized that not every student is. Not. So it's like okay, fair enough. I was not. But I certainly. And and I do inform, I do suggest that the students like hey just so that a, you know how a paper reads when you are done read it back to yourself uh, because you will certain you will you know I was yeah reading, I, I honestly think that's good advice now and now that I'm writing things regularly sure. I always yeah uh, I always read and I, and I find there are sometimes when I'm like at Sundance or whatever and I'm firing off reviews that yeah. I'll like not proofread and then I'll, re- I'll regret it when I finally I'll be like, Oh, I posted that with that. Like it's something that makes yeah. me sound like an idiot. Uh, so yeah, now I do that. I was not a good student is the thing. Yeah. And, and neither was I, I, but I, here, here was my thing. I knew I was good at writing papers, so I would hinge my entire grade on that. And it usually worked out pretty well. <laughs> I was just like, all right, I'm not turning in. I'm going to say 70% of these homework assignments, but that paper is going to save my ass. That paper is going to get me a B for the class and I will have put in very little effort. Uh, and so, but yeah, uh, I, I marked maybe like, you know, five points off just for the presence of that out of, a, out of like a hundred. Um, and, uh, because it just, it, it's what it, it's what it indicated, but don't get me wrong. Like it's, uh, I almost want to give them the five points back in for entertainment value. Uh, because did you, well, did you learn anything about my Angelou? Nothing I didn't already know. That's the other thing. Again, it was a conclusion paragraph, right. so it's it's kind of wrapping up and speaking in uh, generalizations, which is which is fine. But uh, yeah, it was just so it was so jarring just to shift into that. But of course, it's written in the same style as the other. So I did I I did for a moment doubt myself and think maybe this student was way more ambitious than I thought, and I tuned out the Maya Angelou connection. But no, that was not the case. Wait, can you say what movie they were talking about? 
uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I thought you would enjoy that story yeah. about uh, being a teacher. All right. Well, let's um, tell you. I want to tell you. Um, we'll tell you. You know, but I want to tell you the listener about TweakedAudio.com. TweakedAudio.com is where you go for, for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. And Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Um, Tyler, we have time, so I'm going to get into. I, I was listening to some new Madonna today. Okay. I didn't know there was any. Uh, there's always some new Madonna either okay. or, uh, on the, around the corner or uh, on the airwaves. Um, I have a lot of conflicted feelings when it comes to sort of, I guess what you'd consider like legacy acts. Mm-hmm. Cause I still listen to a lot of them, but I also feel like because you know, I have hangups about being out of touch. Yes. I am cautious about not spending too much time listening to people who were popular when I was young, you know, yeah. Madonna even like predates my, I mean, Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. My awareness of, of music really, um, but I also don't want to sound like ageist being like, hang it up, grandma. You know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, like think about it. If we did that with filmmakers, yeah, then yeah. I mean, look at like Martin Scorsese, like he's been, he's an older guy now and he, he's in the last few years, he's put out like Wolf of Wall Street and silence. silence. Like he's yeah. put out some great stuff. So it's possible to musicians as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, <coughs> sometimes they, they surprise you. Um, and sometimes they, you know, David Bowie just never, he was always fresh, you know, yeah. uh, up until, uh, the end, you know, you've got, uh, there's new Bruce Springsteen music out now. That's, yeah. that, that's, uh, quite good. I don't know if you've heard him, but it's very country. I, I did um, hear a song. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then in the metal world, people never go away, and that's that, sure. that, that's great. You know, like um, uh, I was just talking with a coworker today about like the Cannibal Corpse album from two years ago is a, one of their best albums. It's crazy. It's so yeah. great. Um, uh, Not that I thought about them much in the first place, but I haven't thought about Cannibal Corpse <laughs> in a very long time. Since the last time you watched Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so when I when I but but I feel like. I, I don't like this new Madonna stuff. Okay. Um, and I don't know how much of it is like, I don't think the music is particularly good, but I also feel like Madonna could like next year suddenly come out with something amazing. Sure. You know, um, my wife and I get into discussions, but we, when, when we name favorite Madonna songs, this is not, we don't just name favorite Madonna songs, right. but it is a very common sort of like, road trip or just sit on the couch pastime of just like name an artist and like, what's your favorite, what are your favorite songs by blank? It's something we do all the time. Yeah. And Madonna, when Madonna comes up, her favorites are always from the sort of main Madonna eighties sure. into early nineties era. And I like that stuff, you know, like a prayer is not just a great song. It's a great album. But I also think people, um, especially people our age who were, around when we were young and the people, people sleep on ray of light, ray of light mm-hmm. from what was that? Like <clears throat> what was ray of light? Like maybe eight or whatever. I don't that, know. Like that's one of the best Madonna songs. And so I guess maybe because of that, I always feel like maybe Madonna's going to wow me. But then I also wonder, I try to, you know, not think about her personally too much, but she is a very can, she has been a very problematic person, uh, in, in the past. Oh, has she? I think there's a part of her that is, you know, I, I mean, some of it's just embarrassing, like her moving to, uh, England and then suddenly having an English accent. <laughs> yeah. But also she took a picture of her like young son, like I posted on Instagram. This is years ago now, but just with the caption, this N word, 
Oh yeah. Right. Because yeah, I feel like she's one of those like out of touch, older white liberals who thinks they're down. They think they're invited to the cookout as the saying goes okay. and that she can get away with it because she's got the bona fides or sure. whatever. When really it's just complete cluelessness on her, on her part. Yeah. And there was that, the, the, um, uh, the Aretha Franklin thing at the, one of the, one of the award shows, she came out to like, introduce a tribute to Aretha Franklin right. and just like talked about herself for 10 minutes. I seem to recall uh, <laughs> reading about that. Yes. Yeah. So there's been a lot of like either embarrassing or outright problematic stuff with Madonna in the past 10 years or so. Um, and, uh, uh, it, I, I wonder how much of it is affecting my ability to enjoy her new music, which I don't <laughs> think is like egregiously awful so much as just limp. But anyway, yeah. all that said, it sounded great on my tweaked audio. Right, yeah, yeah. And those are available at a low, low price at tweaked audio.com. Uh, but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweaked and use the offer code pretension. This episode is brought to you in part by noom. Forget one size fits all diets with noom. You get a personalized weight loss plan. That's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M com. Grab your copy of the Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Tyler, yes. Let's get into it, shall we? Okay. This uh, this episode was was your idea, and for good reason, because uh, I'm really glad you brought it up. I'm really glad that it happened this week, the week of Pattinson. Uh, sorry, Pattinson. There we go. The Thank week you. of Pattinson. Yeah. Better than Batman. Pattinson. Robert Batson, Robert, yeah. Robert Pattinson will be playing Batman in Matt Reeves upcoming the Batman. Yes. Um, I'm not super happy about it because for a different reason than the people we're going to talk about. Not right. being happy. I'm not happy about it because I would just for personal selfish reasons, I would rather see Robert Pattinson keep making Claire Denis and David Gruber movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that would be more interesting to me than, uh, I don't really have the only Matt Reeves movie I've seen is Cloverfield. I didn't like it. So I don't really, I've heard he's made good movies. I know people like let me in. I yeah. think. Um, and he made the, the last, uh, I believe the last two, uh, Planet of the Apes, Planet of the Apes movies, movies yeah. um, which, which I, I don't love them, but they are very, very good and very competently made. I, yeah, I'll, I'll say this, like, first off, I think they need to give the character a break, you know, Batman? One, yeah, like, I, one, I, I guess as a person who reads superhero comics, I don't ever expect there to be much of a break, right? Especially from a major, like maybe somebody else, like, you know, um, uh, I'm trying to think who like is, uh, I think Black, uh, I think Black Widow is currently dead in the Marvel Universe, but I could be wrong okay. about that. Okay, I, we know she's coming back. Sure, we can take a care. We can take a break from yeah. Black Widow for a while, but you're not going to take that much of a break from Batman. I just, I just mean that like, I think one of the reasons that people were excited about Batman Begins in 2005 is because there was an eight year break between bat and, and everyone agreed that Batman and Robin was just such a train wreck. It's actually a film that I wouldn't say I respect, 
but I get what they're, I have an idea. I have a better idea of what they're trying to do. I wasn't a holding. I certainly to some find other. it more interesting now. I've yeah. never actually, to be honest, I've never fully seen Batman and Robin, okay, <laughs> except yeah. for when we did our commentary, which doesn't really right. count. Um, but I definitely find it more interesting now than I did at the time. Yeah. And it's, it's trying to do something different than what Tim, than what Tim Burton was doing. And so, and I think it's, it succeeds on that level, but I do know that, uh, that even Joel Schumacher wasn't super thrilled because the studio was so heavily involved in trying to make it, uh, the word was toyetic, uh, and that sort of thing. But, um, but I do think that, that, as far as the culture, people were like, okay, so Batman is, you know, not dead in the way you're talking about, but he's pretty much, the character's pretty much dead. And then to see the sort of the, this, the dark, uh, more serious reboot and given the state of, you know, the DC, uh, DCEU, DC Extended Universe. I know that people liked Aquaman, but people don't like the, the, they didn't like Justice League. They didn't like Batman versus Superman, even though they, uh, most people, including myself, uh, thought Ben Affleck was doing a a really good job with it. it. Sorry, um, Dark Knight Rises was 2012. 2012, yeah. What year is Batman versus Superman? What what year is Ben Affleck? uh, I want to say 17. May, so no, it's like 16. 16. It's 16. So like Justice League. Justice League was 17. So yeah, 16, so 16. Okay, so Justice League was the last time Ben Affleck was Batman? Yes. 17. So now we'll that have... That sounds right to me. So, okay, we had eight years between uh, Clooney and Bale. Yeah. Four years between Bale and Affleck, and yeah. now it'll be... It'll, this is 2021, the Batman? Is I that believe right? so, yeah. So it'll be four years then okay. between between Affleck and Pattinson and four years, I guess, I guess that is something of a break, but I, maybe it doesn't feel like a break when it's announced this soon. And also when we've got the Joker movie coming out, yeah, that's like just the, the world is still, you've got Pennyworth, the TV series. Do you know about yeah, this? Yes. You got Pennyworth. You just had Gotham. Is that ended, right? That ended. That, yeah. I know so, that James Gunn is making another suicide squad. Oh, he didn't right. make it in the first place, but he's making a suicide squad movie. So yeah, I mean, I don't even know like it, it, the DC properties are just so all over the place, which is kind of neat in a way because it allows you to do a lot of different things with it. Um, but yeah, so, but what I will say is that yes, on one hand I would like to see Robert Pattinson doing more interesting stuff, but I also think that he could bring something to the character. Uh, there's a, I think he has a certain vibe now as a, as an actor. I think he's really, has shown a willingness to, to find the less likable elements of his characters and play those up. And I think he's, he's actually a very unselfconscious actor, which is something that I really respond to. It's one of the things I like about Matt Damon is that he's not afraid to not merely look dumb on screen, but look dumb in a way that people are bothered by, <laughs> you know, you look at stuff like true grit, true grit, the informant, and even stuff like the departed where his character's not dumb, but he's a character that just, you know, people love, I've said, been saying this for years, people, they love to hate Nicholson, but they just fucking hate the rat, you yeah. know? Uh, and that Matt Damon is just willing and, and, uh, interstellar, interstellar. Oh yeah. You know, I think, his willingness to do that is is admirable. That's I think one of the finds, uh, surprise Matt Damon movies. Yeah, which is my one of the few letterbox lists yeah. that I've ever made. Yeah, uh, it's, because there are so many movies there that you are, don't yeah. know Matt Damon's in, and then surprise and there he Matt is. Damon's in. I mean, and that's probably maybe the most substantial as far as like his contribution to the story and theme, um, as opposed to something like Deadpool Two or uh, Euro Trip. 
I didn't uh, see, I didn't see, I never, uh, I never yeah. saw Euro trip, but, yeah. um, but, uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah. So the announcement of Robert Pattinson and I wrote a longer article than I meant to about this. So you can find it on BP and I don't want to, uh, rehash it, but, uh, a number of people had a big problem with the announcement of Robert Pattinson as Batman and whether, and I saw on Twitter, on Facebook, just it, it became very clear that the people that had a problem with it, the only, they were only familiar with him as a function of twilight, which to me, not even, not even Harry Potter and twilight. They, they only ever referenced twilight, which to me means not only they not, obviously not really paying attention to what's going on in movies, but also that these aren't kids. Cause twilight's been, when was the last twilight? Five years ago? A few years ago. Yeah. I don't remember. These are probably adult, men yeah <laughs> you know uh, and that uh, and that's um i don't want to be you know nerd shaming or whatever but uh it's kind of sad that <laughs> that you care that much i'm fine with nerd shaming <laughs> because but I, I just feel like that the you know i don't want to I, I don't want to be like the bully who's like oh why do you still care about comic books like i care about like i just said i read comic books but no that uh, oh it's you know what it's interesting uh i'm perfectly fine with somebody having an opinion about the new batman movie yeah but when they yeah. when they say oh this actor's not right for it because it, like they're shaming this other thing i mean you and i've talked about it before that like the one franchise that people were critical of when it came to comic-con was twilight and this is a group that has no qualms at all about and, yeah. my little pony friendship is magic yeah. and i'm not saying they should but like they're fine with that but i think because twilight is geared it's romantic in nature it's geared more towards women and young girls especially yeah yeah and i think i think there are uh, there are I, i'll I'm going to go out on not a very long limb and say guys, uh, guys of a certain age who are just like, Oh, you know, fuck that movie, you know, and that sort of thing. There are still people who will tell you their narrative of comic-con is that twilight ruined comic-con because, um, the camping out for hall age didn't happen until. Sure. Okay. I don't it was going to happen eventually. Exactly. I think that was just a part of where Comic-Con was going yeah. and Twilight happened to be the franchise. Yeah. Do you think you were going to be able to just walk into uh, an Avengers panel? Come on. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, so anyway, but it got me thinking about uh, this film and, and the fact that whether it be Michael, I, to my knowledge, people didn't have a big problem with Val Kilmer taking over the role or George Clooney. But I mean, people really didn't like the idea of Michael Keaton, you know, Mr. Mom playing Batman. And they didn't like Ben Affleck playing Batman either. Like they, a lot of people, they just feel understandably. So they feel protective and they feel ownership for the character, which is fine. And so they don't want just some random person to, uh, some random actor who might be popular in the moment or whatever, uh, to, to take it. But those same people, uh, regardless of, of, how the DC movies turned out. Uh, a lot of people said that they were genuinely surprised by how, how effective Ben Affleck was, uh, as Batman. And uh, nobody that I'm aware of had a problem with, uh, Michael Keaton, uh, in that first Batman. I think they thought he worked really well after that. But, uh, to the point that eventually people had a hard time seeing him as anything other than that. Um, that kind of derailed his career, which could be a problem, uh, for, Robert Pattinson. I don't think it will be, but, um, yeah, I I, I hope not. But, um, 
So it got me thinking about the topic today, which I'm willing to branch out from how I originally pitched it to you. Um, I think I, I said, you know, controversial casting choices or unconventional casting choices. And I realized that the way I framed it, it's only, I, I framed it maybe only as choices that, that the public didn't really know how to respond to. I'm also willing to just say choices that are inherently unusual and i don't and in my list i don't know i don't they're not all ones that work see i did i did choose ones that worked because yeah there are definitely some that uh that that um i could have had a whole other list of ones that yeah that didn't um like uh oh i don't know tom petty in the postman Um, (laughs) sure Uh, which brings me to I I have sort of categories and I one of them is like we could do an episode I could set aside this part of the category and we could do an episode just about mu- musicians sure. turned actors all on its own because there are so many oh yeah um, that seem weird and and that worked uh, one of the first ones I thought of was uh, Tunde Adebimpe in uh, Rachel Getting Married yeah he's great in that movie and he his character sings in the movie, but also yeah. he, he acts. Um, of course, remember there, you know, there were, there was a time when David Bowie wasn't an actor. He yeah. had to come along and do the man who felt the earth. And uh, then he was an actor. And I feel like this has happened super recently with Janelle Monet, who like yeah. was in moonlight and then hidden figures the same year. And now I think we just think of her as a singer slash actress, but like, I think of her more because I was, largely unfamiliar with her as a okay. singer. I think of her as an actress. Okay. So I have musicians, I had comedians doing non-comedian yeah. roles. I have, and then I have the other two, which are kind of two sides of the same coin. I have the slumming it category, which sure. is the sort of respected actor in the like B movie genre fair. You're Alec Guinness in star Wars yep. type of thing. And then I have what we're kind of talking about, um, uh, with at least a perception of the Robert Pattinson thing, which is the the glow up, the the people who are thought of as this sort of mini this this uh, less respectful thing, usually because teenage girls like them, right? Who then end up being good. And here I'm gonna like mention the, the, the pretty boys, uh, yeah. pretty boys, but also uh, girls because I like I also sure. or, or sorry women because I also talked about women who are thought of as a certain thing, um, like Cameron Diaz and being John Malkovich is, sure. is is one that I feel like doesn't seem as weird now because we've seen Cameron Diaz do a lot of different things mm-hmm. but it was surprising at the time you know uh this is she was known as a model turned uh sort of kind of comic actress but more really like straight man to the comic like in like the mask and in yeah. like uh, there's something about mary yeah. you know and she was good and, in, in in both of those yeah so. and then but then suddenly yeah. she's in being jenna Malkovich and she's great and it's like yeah. uh, uh and then of course uh, uh a big one that uh was it's the first time i list in that category because it has so many um, parallels with Robert, Pat- Robert Pattinson in that it's a pretty boy and it's vampire related. This is going the other way. This is Tom Cruise in an interview with a vampire, yeah. um, which I think of as not that great a movie. Actually, uh, it's kind of a it's unwieldy. Yeah, um, it's definitely a mess tonally. Um, Christian Slater is an actor that I like, but I, do, I like uh, I don't think that he's on the right page in in that in that movie. I think uh, he also, as an actor, I mean, at the time he had a very specific type, and he and when he was in it, he played it well. Heather's um, cuffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a movie I haven't thought about in a while. Um, but I think as he got older, I think he aged into not that he has a great deal of range, but I think he definitely 
matured and was able to do different things. Yeah, he's become an actor that I'm now like interested. Like with Mr. Robot, he was also in The Wife last year. That's like, right. Now that he's like middle aged, I'm yeah. really interested in what he and what he does. And um, even in, he was he had a like a four or five episode arc on uh, The West Wing, and I think he was did a pretty good job. Many? I, I it might, my memory it was like two episodes. It might but. only be two or three, but I think of like I, I I remember him, and so as a result, I might think of him as being in it longer. But yeah, it might only be two or three episodes. Um, Maybe because he's one of the good Republican characters on the show. <laughs> right. Well, but, and that's the thing is in a way it's like, he's a military man who, uh-huh. and they tend to skew conservative, but I feel like military it's, it's not inherently, I feel like it's a separate category okay. uh, in that, in that show. Um, but he definitely, he did make it clear he was voting for Richie uh, but that he, yeah, right, not, that he's, yeah, yeah. not that he's totally on board with him either. But, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, looking at my list, I have a combination of things like one where it's the idea of slumming it. One is the idea of like, wait, no, you're a good looking lead actor. What are you doing in this part? Yeah. Um, and then oh, one okay. is, uh, no, no, no. We love this character and you, sir, are not right for it, whatever it is. Or ma'am. Uh, okay. another is you're not, you don't fit the demographic. Like you are not the right age. You're not the right race. Uh, whatever it is you like, and, and I'm not saying I thought this, I'm saying mm-hmm. some people did. And then in other cases it's, it's, uh, yeah, this is mostly, I think we're mostly talking about other people's preconceptions. A lot of these. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there are some that surprise me as well. Yeah. A lot of the musician ones. I, it's, it's surprising to me how many musicians turned out to be good at acting because I don't think of them as being that similar, but there's, there's a performative performative element to, cause like very few musicians just stay in the studio. They have to like hold a crowd. And I think that there has to, there's a certain degree of, uh, charisma that you can transfer over. Um, for the same reason that standups often wind up doing surprisingly well in acting. They have to be able to hold the attention of tens of thousands of people at a time. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, I don't necessarily, so I'm going to jump around. Okay. And then a lot of these have to, are just comic book movies. All right. So, uh, number one with a bullet is Heath Ledger yeah. in the dark Knight. Yeah. A lot of people. Now, those of us that had seen him in other things like Brokeback mountain realized that, okay, he has more yeah. range than I thought. And, and while the character in Brokeback mountain is nothing like the Joker, yeah. it's like the fact that he can play that means he could probably go the other way as there's, well. There's also monsters ball, which is a movie that I, Oh yeah. I haven't seen since it came out. Well, that's, I probably watched it once since it came out. I don't, I, it's one of those movies that I thought was good at the time. Haven't revisited, but I can kind of feel like it's probably not as good as younger me thought it was probably not um, either. Yeah. Either not as good in general or good in a different way than we thought. Okay. Uh, but he's really good. At, he is uh, really for good the, for the relatively brief part of the movie yeah. that he's in it. And so, yeah, that is kind of a Robert Pattinson like situation where people were like Heath Ledger from, uh, drive me crazy and 10 things I hate about you. Um, <laughs> people didn't say drive me crazy. 10 things I him? hate about you. That's him. Okay. But no one thinks about that, uh, movie. Yeah, Wait, I saw them both. Is that right? Is that him? Which is the one with Adrian Grenier? Is that, Oh, maybe that's drive me crazy. Is that Melissa Joan Hart? I think so. So what was Heath Ledger in? He was in another one of those. He was. Well, he, uh, obviously, there's... Uh, I think a lot of people didn't see A Knight's Tale 
uh, right, because yeah, yeah. they discounted it, even though Night of Sale was actually awesome. <laughs> awesome in a certain way. I'd say it's conceptually more awesome than anything else. Uh, it is Adrian Grenier in uh, Drive Me Crazy. Okay, so um, now I have to figure out which one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, no, I guess I was thinking of a nice tale because that's the, okay. the only like teen rom com he did was Ten Things I Hate About You. Okay, but he also did. He was in the Patriot. I forgot about that. Boy, yeah. Oh man, remember Four Feathers? No, you don't remember Four Feathers. I mean, I know of it, but he, you asked, do I remember it? The answer is no. Okay. Um, it's with Wes Bentley, right? He's yeah. in that as well. But what's weird? This is super weird. Because I was just thinking about Four Feathers today. Okay. For a weird reason. I don't know if you remember the trailers for Four Feathers and like TV ads. Okay. Came, came around at the same time as the story of John Walker Lind, the American Taliban. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Okay. And there were all these people saying like Heath Ledger in the Four Feathers looks like John Walker Lind. Oh, yeah. Had, like the red hair. And John Walker Lind is suddenly like in the news again today. Oh, is he? Um, because of some things he said about ISIS, I guess, or whatever. Oh. Um, pro, pro or con? Pro. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I read the name. I was like literally reading Politico playbook on on my phone like I do uh, you know, during downtime during my day while I'm walking around at work, not looking at making eye contact mm-hmm. with people, I'm reading the news on my phone and I saw the name John Walker Lind and I immediately went, remember that movie, the four feathers <laughs> <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so, okay. So I mentioned Michael oh, Keaton wait. already. By other, uh, sorry, the other Heath Ledger story. Okay. This isn't my story or your story. It's a story that was told on our podcast, but our friend, uh, Will Anderson. Yes. Do you remember the story about him <laughs> calling Heath Ledger a bell end on the radio? Yes. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite stories. Uh, that, uh, look, we've had a lot of great guests yeah. who've shared a lot of great things. Maybe my favorite story anyone has ever told on Battleship Retention is Will Anderson calling Heath Ledger a bell end on the radio in Australia. <laughs> Will Anderson has a lot of good stories. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and, and also just in general, his entire take on, uh, Sam, Sam Worthington, Worthington yeah. is kind of funny. He did that on the podcast. He did right? it on the podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I like to think that not only does he have good stories, but good stories uh, are then had by him being on the show. Right. right. Um, so, okay. So I want to I want to rattle off these comic book ones. Okay. So uh, I mentioned uh, Heath Ledger. I already talked about uh, Michael Keaton. Um, I will say Ben. Okay. I'm going to take Tilda Swinton and Dr. Strange and Ben Kingsley and Iron Man three together. Okay. Because in both cases you have characters that are these sort of Asian stereotypes, okay. you know, uh, Mandarin is like this Fu Manchu type. And from what I understand the what is it? The, uh, like the elder, the Supreme elder or something like that in Dr. Strange is, is sort of oh, the same okay. thing. And so a lot of people were upset people weren't necessarily upset about um the mandarin partially because ben kingsley was doing some really cool stuff with the role but also i think everyone acknowledged like to play this character like it, we could cast like a you know a ken watanabe or something like that but the the character by his very nature is kind of offensive right so maybe let's just completely just reinterpret the character and then they reinterpreted it in a much deeper way than anybody anticipated. Uh, Tilda Swinton, they, they did, they said that like, and also I think there between 2013 and 2016, there was this talk of whitewashing. And Mm -hmm. so the idea of making, 
again, I don't remember. There's probably more talk. I mean, it never been talked about before. It had been. Yes. But well, what year was the last airbender? That was a big one. That was it a big was one. Yeah. Yeah. 2009, uh, 10, I want to say, um, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, but yeah, uh, and the idea of making the character into a, a female was interesting, uh, but clearly by casting not merely a white person, but the whitest of white people, Tilda Swinton, <laughs> um, you know, you know, they cast a ghost. That's yeah. fun. Uh, but it's it's to me, it's them. It, it's controversial and I understand why. Um, but I think they were just trying to avoid like playing into that character uh, or the character type, which is understandable. No, but I feel like that one. Because the character is positive, I think they could have made it okay. Um, now, would you consider? Now, as long as we're on the topic of Marvel movies, would you consider Anthony Hopkins as Odin in the same category as as did your Tilda Swinton, or is it where I'm coming from? Anthony Hopkins, it, there's a lot of prestige around him. He's an Oscar sure. winner. He does it, and uh, he's considered a great actor but he's also an inveterate ham and kind of makes perfect sense to play odin oh and i don't 100 yeah. yeah i mean ham, like i feel like ham is one of those things that has a negative connotation there, there are good hams out there absolutely you know um uh i mean one of my favorite stories is um howard hawks making the 20th century and trying to convince lionel barrymore to take the role of the theater uh director and owner mm-hmm. Um, and the way he convinced him is, is this character is the biggest ham in the world. I need the biggest ham in the world to play him. That's about right. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I don't think there's any problem at all. I don't think Odin is a character that you downplay yeah. or, or underplay. Pardon me. Um, so let's see. Uh, sticking with comic books, I'll say that. Uh, and this and this a lot of this is going to overlap with the idea of, of demographics. Um Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin in Daredevil okay. um, was something that I don't recall a lot of people having a big problem with it because Michael Clark Duncan was viewed favorably in general as as an actor and certainly Kingpin I is a forgot big... that Daredevil existed for a second. I was well, that's like, fine. For a I second, think... I was like, I thought it was Vincent D'Onofrio, and I realized, oh, yeah. oh right, there was a Daredevil movie. I saw there was. it in like 2003. Colin Farrell was Bullseye. He sure was. Jennifer Garner was Electra. That's right. She got a spinoff. Yeah, that's the one that gets me. Um, and so, uh, to my knowledge, I don't remember it being particularly controversial. I know that some people, you know, certainly these days, there are some people like, how could you turn Spider-Man black? Not that they did in any of the movies, but like in the comic books, like, you know, well, that, I, guess, that, I mean, but it's also a completely different character. Into the Spider-Verse is sure. Yeah. That's but it's movie. not Peter Parker. It's not it's Peter different, Parker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. You're not me. Yeah. And so, um, but I don't think anybody had that problem with, with Kingpin. I think some well, of it has to do with the fact that like Michael Clark Duncan was he- physically huge. And he was like kind of the only character that could do the actor. That there could also do that. wasn't Twitter and Facebook all this of the time. That is true. I, I'm sure I, I someone think that has not only has it amplified, it's also emboldened because the probably still relatively small portion of the population that feels that way suddenly knows everyone else who feels the same way and, it, and, and they get involved and then it maybe converts more people and stuff. So I, I, I think that if there was, if there was anyone who was 
mad that they made the Kingpin black in that movie, they probably just bitched about it to their other asshole friends yeah. and it never went anywhere. Yeah. I mean, the, obviously like the internet was still around. There were message boards and stuff like that, but that's very, that is a very different, very different entity yeah. than, than Twitter and Facebook. That's a good point. Um, so let's see. Uh, I think that's a, Oh, and honestly for its own reason, Robert Downey Jr. As Iron Man was a risk. It, it wasn't necessarily controversial, although admittedly for myself, I was a big fan of, of Robert Downey Jr. I still am. Uh, and I remember being like, I can't see him playing a superhero. And then you realize, well, they're doing a, a thing with him. Like he's not a standard stu- superhero. He's a, he's a, this cad who is learning to be heroic mm-hmm. while still being himself. And it turns out Robert Downey Jr. Did it, you know, marvelously, uh, yeah. no, no, pun, I, I, no pun intended. Um, I'm not as big a, uh, I know you and, and some other people. I just, I feel like Mar- the Marvel movies that, that Tony Stark has sanded off some of the edges of Robert Downey Jr. That's what I'm, well, that's probably uh, true. Uh, uh, afraid of, like, but I don't I'll think we're going to get another two guys and a girl or sorry, two girls and a guy. <laughs> I was thinking of two guys. Are and a pre- pizza plate. Pizza plate. That's <laughs> what I want to see. Yeah. No, um, two girls and a guy. I don't think we're going to get another one of those. Although, uh, I mean, James Toback is canceled, right? I think so. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. So um, we're definitely not going to get no, two and, girls and a guy too. And when you, and when you think about, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and shortcuts and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. I do think that he's the singing detective. Yeah. And even stuff like kiss, kiss, bang, bang. I just don't think that he's what he, he's not what he used to be. And, and I, even Zodiac, you know, that, uh, the year before, uh, playing a character who's right, still, he's so who's good still, in that. he's marvelous. Yeah. Uh, and just, but I do think, and so, yes, I, on one hand, I feel like it's a shame that this has changed Robert Downey Jr., but I also feel like, yes, but he made Tony, he added edge to Tony Stark, especially if you look at stuff like an Iron Man 2 and you realize, oh, he's f- like, it's uncomfortable how self-destructive he is in that movie. Um, and so there, I think he, he does good stuff with the character. And so, yes, I can lament the impact on the actor, but as far as casting and as far as this character, I think he did uh, amazing things with the character. But at the time, he was not bankable, and mm-hmm. he was seen as like the Holly, this Hollywood bad boy. And so, to cast him, in many ways, it worked on on a meta level. But at the same time, I think it was, you know, I, I, I still am fascinated with the notion, that, like if that first Iron Man had just sucked. Yeah, it would be his. Um Leonard part six. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was also going to say it could be, you know, the mummy with Tom Cruise. Like they wanted to kick this thing off, but the first film didn't do very well. You know, wasn't very good and incredible Hulk wasn't super well received. And so maybe they just kind of canceled this whole thing. Um, man, when I think I, when I think about the mummy, it still makes me like it. I don't think the mummy is, it can't be the worst movie of Tom Cruise's career but it is probably it the least be. interesting movie of his career that's like yeah. saying something that he he, he always i feel like he always brings something yeah. and the, the movie is so flat it's so like i like i'm not even with the people who hated the mummy yeah i, I didn't hate it it was nothing i yeah. barely found 400 words to say about it. <laughs> yeah it's uh and it's such a yeah i, I don't want to get into that at some point it would be fun to devote a whole episode to like extended universes, both uh, successful and unsuccessful. Um, but the idea of the dark universe, 
except for what, besides what they were actually trying to do with it. The concept of it was wonderful. I wanted, yeah. like if it had been, you know, turn of the century, uh, and you had all this or, and, and they kept it old timey horror, I would have loved it. But, if it had been horror at all. Uh, the, yeah, that's true. The only, um, the only thing I do like about, uh, the mummy is, um, and now I'm drawing a blank on her name. Uh, who played the mummy? Uh, yeah. I don't Sophie, know. Sophia from climax. Jesus. Why is that? It's, I didn't see the movie, so I don't remember. You didn't see the mummy? No. Oh, okay. Um, well, why can't I think of her name? Sophia Batella. Okay. Um, I was, I was once on a plane with her. Oh, um, how's she doing? Uh, I, I don't know. She was in first class, obviously. Uh, of course. She's a first class lady. Uh, <laughs> uh the best parts of the movie are her because she's actually playing like a horror villain. Yeah. You know, she's actually trying to find like creepy movements to do and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, um, what's, what's his name? I ever forget the director's name. Um, is, uh, completely uninterested in making a horror movie. Yeah. And it's, and clearly they just wanted to universal is like, okay, what, how can we get involved in the, this action based, extended universe with what we have. Oh, okay. Let's make action versions of these movies. Like that's not, that's not the appeal of them to the extent that there is any appeal to modern audiences. Well, let's um, jump to one of my, one okay. of my categories All right. that I want to talk about, which is comedians. Okay. Um, in either non comedic roles or unexpected roles. Okay. I'll start with one that is a comedic role, but still here's okay. I'm going to do a long lead up. It didn't seem weird to me at the time because this is one of the first ways I knew who this person was in retrospect, knowing who this person was as a comic. It's hilarious and weird to me that George Carlin is in Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Sure. That's so strange. And he's funny, but he's also like, he's, he's doing it right. He's playing a version of George Carlin. Sure. But also he's, He's playing, he, this is what, you know, usually when we say like, oh, that character is like in a different movie than the rest of the characters, yeah. that's how he's playing it. And it's the correct move because he's coming for from that a world. Yeah, absolutely. He's coming from a world that is nothing yeah. uh, like what, what the world that he's visiting. Anyway, uh, I wanted to mention that one, but maybe some more series. And this is okay. So I, I wanted to, I wasn't sure because when you first said, uh, suggested this topic, I was like, do you mean like stunt casting? And you were like, kind of. So I tried to, I tried to avoid stunt casting a right. little bit, but sometimes it has worked. I think, um, I really like Mike Myers and Inglorious bastards. He'd done serious stuff before. <laughs> that's but right. That's not even really a serious. It's actually kind of a funny part, even <laughs> it though it's is. serious. Uh, but the one, but any number of people could have played it, yeah. but they chose Mike Myers, Mike Myers. heavy prosthetics as opposed uh, to something like 54. Right. You know, where it's more of a drama, it's more of a drama film. His character is super eccentric and over the yeah. top. Uh, and I think he does a, it's not a good movie, yeah, but I think he does yeah. a fine job of that. Um, my, one of my favorite Sopranos lines is that when they, there's that thing where they think AJ wants to be a, uh, an event planner. That's right. And Carmelo's yes. like, he can't stop watching that studio 54 movie with Mike Myers. That's so <laughs> funny to me. The idea of AJ yeah. Soprano watching 54 more than once <laughs> is very funny to me. Um, but no, another one, and this is really against type and really works in a really upsetting way is Rodney Dangerfield and natural born killers. Boy. Um, he is really awesome at playing a really bad lecherous father just to and it, it it's so interesting when you realize that like his persona it's it's like the way he looks the way he sounds in general was so unique but if you tw- if you twist it this way or that it's like that's that's creepy as hell yeah and that's gonna lead me into the next one because i'm glad you, you gave me a perfect segue there 
twisting the existing comedic persona into something a little deeper, a little darker. Adam Sandler and Punch Drunk Love. Absolutely. He is, he, Barry is, could be a character from Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. But by putting him in a Paul Thomas Anderson world, suddenly he's sadder, scarier, yeah. angrier. His eruptions of violence, which is not that different than Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore. Yeah, certainly but, Happy Gilmore, yeah. Yeah, but now it's like, oh... Oh no! This, and that it can it, that it is often followed so quickly by tears yeah. uh, is just like oh boy, this is rough stuff. Yeah, what a great movie! It is um, a marvelous film. I keep saying marvelous. I get it. I got to get away from that. That's bothering yeah. me. And then uh, there are a couple. Well, I mentioned like with the musicians thing, like David Bowie. Like it doesn't seem you have to go back in time to remember that it's weird that he ended up being a good actor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Jim Carrey was like that too. Like the Truman show was kind of a, like yeah. a, a, a gamble. He'd done like Days Ventura movies and like, would he have done liar, liar before Truman show? Or is that, I think probably before. Yeah. I can't remember. I don't remember what year. Liar, liar, liar is 97. Truman okay. shows 98. 98. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And he uh, would have done the mask. And so like the Stanley Ipkiss character is definitely more subdued, but it's almost like he's that yeah. solely so that he can go yeah. over the top with the mask character. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so the fact that he's playing this sort of like kind of a milk toast, uh, yeah. not quite. He, I think he has sad sack tendencies, but he tries yeah. to be happy. Um, it's a, I, I think a very. I, I I think now it, if this happened now because I've become so used, I've become more. Uh, aware of who comedians are and how they think I would yeah. be less surprised at the time. I was surprised by this performance. I was, here's the thing is it's, there's more drama to the performance than one would expect. And it is dialed back, but not completely. Like there are moments where he does kind of go overboard with things as opposed to eternal sunshine where that is a full on, I mean, it's a, it's a comedy, but it's, yeah, the the comedy comes from the absurdity of the situation he that is a gen that is an actual sad sack performance yeah and he's just playing it completely straight at that point yeah um and definitely um a lot of the credit i think for making the truman show work goes to peter weir oh, yeah. because you could have made the broader comedic version of the truman yes, show absolutely. i was just thinking about this because someone else mentioned it. Um, and now I can't remember her name, but there's an ongoing column over the AV club mm-hmm. about the best romantic comedies of every year. Oh, okay. And the woman, I can't remember her name wrote about four weddings and a funeral, which as you know, is one of my favorite movies of all mm-hmm. time. And she wrote about how Mike Newell is not really a comedy director and would often shoot and stage the comedic bits as more realistic and yeah. like would let them, you know, Hugh Grant will say something stupid or make a fool of himself and like a broader traditional comedy be like, Oh, Oh, and then cut to the next <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. And Mac Newell just sort of like lingers on it and it yeah. makes, it makes it more, not only more uncomfortable, but it also makes you realize like this character is not such a great guy. <laughs> like yeah. he's the lead, but he could be kind of selfish and thoughtless a lot of the time. Anyway, um, just an excuse to talk about forwardings and a funeral. Sure. One of my favorite movies of all time, as I mentioned. Uh, but yeah, so those are my comedians that I wanted to talk about. Uh, okay. So I will, uh, jump into a few where it's like, it's a beloved character. Uh, and some of these, it does, it does work and some, it doesn't yeah, I didn't okay. think to do this. So I, yeah, I won't be, uh, so I will that. say Alden Ehrenreich and solo. Um, did you see solo? Uh, I forget. Yeah. I'm um, one of the people who liked solo. I, I don't, 
I don't hate it. I don't love it. I think he's quite good. Um, I think he works. I think he he's he's obviously not trying to do a Harrison Ford impression, but I think he's trying to capture elements of Han Solo as created by Harrison Ford and just doing it his own way. I think that actually, for me, that's much more preferable than when Donald Glover is trying to evoke uh, Lando and Billy D. Williams specifically, because then it looks like just pure bravado. And I feel like I can, I think Donald Glover can be a very good actor in the right, in the right type of role. And this could have been the right type of role, but I think he got too locked into the idea of being Billy D. Williams as yeah. opposed to Lando. And I Did think you watch on, Atlanta, I've watched the first few episodes of it and I, and so I like, you've watched I like the first season. So, Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah. The, or, or the first few episodes that you've only seen the first season. The second season is really great. Yeah. But, there is a noticeable thing like Chris Pratt went on, you know, he did guardians, but then like parks and rec was like ending. Right. Uh, I believe he it, didn't yeah. go back and play Andy as like super ripped. Did he, uh, there, I think it's in the very last season that he's on okay. and he is ripped and, okay. and he, he's, he's like, yeah, just stop drinking. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and he like lost all okay. his weight from so that. So I didn't yeah. know if that happened because that's kind of what happened on Atlanta season two. Clearly like Donald Glover, I don't know if it was four or solo or just, this is what happens. You become yeah. a big, great, big famous movie <laughs> star. Um, and our, uh, musician who is allergic to shirts. Uh, sure. Um, did you see that onion? You don't read the onion anymore, which is how I like, don't insane to me. Like I, I read the occasional article. I'd go to the AV club all the time, but I don't, uh, yeah, I don't read the right. onion that much. You gotta go back to the onion. Every so time funny. I, I realized that the other yeah. day. And so like three weeks ago I went and I laughed uproariously yeah. like everything. Anyway, look up the childish Gambino one. Um, anyway, so yes, the second season from the very beginning of the second season of Atlanta, I'm like, Oh man, he's ripped. He's not like the torpy yeah. little guy from the, from the first season. Uh, you get used to it though. Anyway. Um, uh, so I think, I think Alden Ehrenreich did a, a perfectly fine job. Um, and then I will bring up, uh, George Lazenby as James Bond in on her majesty's secret service, which, uh, I think it's tough because I don't think he's that dynamic of an actor. I think he's just, you know, essentially a stuntman. So he does that really well. But I, you know, compared to Sean Connery, who's just oozing charisma, um, I do think that that's one that doesn't work out really well, even though the movie is good. Um, and then uh, I you would talk say... About, you talk about beloved characters. People were up in arms when Daniel Craig was James Bond just because he's blonde. Uh, yeah, it's... And then people are, you know, some people have said like, Hey, we need like a black James Bond, like an Idris Elba or something like that. And I haven't run across a lot of people who are against that, maybe because people like Idris Elba. And it might just be that people are It's like, well, Hey, if we can have a blonde one, surely we can, <laughs> we can, the character's so adaptable. Um, what's next? A dog James Bond. <laughs> That's the slippery slope argument. Exactly. That's the Rick yes. Santorum argument. Um, <laughs> Were you talking about James Bond? No, he's talking about gay marriage <laughs> oh, okay. to marrying dogs. <laughs> I'd like him more if he was talking about it. Like that's that's those are the questions I want to see in debates. Like, who do you think would be a good James Bond? Um, <laughs> do you remember James Bond Jr.? Yeah, absolutely. Those were some good action figures. I, I remember oh, I yeah. bought several. Um, but uh, and then I will say uh, Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which. The, the casting of that isn't necessarily bad. Mm -hmm. We weren't quite to the point yet where Johnny Depp working with Tim Burton 
hurt both of them. Um, we weren't quite there yet. I feel like we weren't. And we weren't at the beginning of the movie and then we were at the end. That's the turning point. Yeah. And then with, with Sweeney Todd being an exception, I think that one works out pretty well. But like Alice in Wonderland, Dark Shadows, it's just they they are hurting each other now. <laughs> um, but that's the thing is we didn't know that yet. And so the idea of, you know, we'd it was only what, two years after he played Jack Sparrow and then he was in finding Neverland. I think did a great, a nice restrained job there. And so him playing Willy Wonka in many ways, like, Oh, that, that fits, that works. And then you saw what he did with it and you're like, Oh, okay, never mind. It turns out this is the worst casting decision ever. I didn't know that going in, <laughs> but I, I wish uh, I'd thought of more. Yeah. You did better research than I did. Well, it's uh, my I, topic. So yeah, I feel yeah. like I have to. Um, and then, uh, it's tough. I, I do think that when you when you think of who Marlon Brando was at the in the sixties and seventies, admittedly he was getting older. He had done uh, Last Tango in Paris, but you you know you would never think of him when you're casting Don Vito Corleone. Mm -hmm. Like it's such a the like he has such a majesty to him, and and that's the thing is I, I remember. Actors that were sort of in contention. One of them was Orson Welles. Like, and that's a guy who obviously he was certainly bigger. He wasn't as big as he was going to get, but he was bigger. Like he like filled the room. He had the, this boisterous voice and all that sort of thing. And you just, you can imagine people coming, coming up and like kissing that ring. Yeah. Um, Marlon Brando, you know, it's like, Oh, that's Stanley Kowalski. And, you know, and, and even, even as he was getting older and, and in stuff like last, uh, tango in Paris, that's still not the type of role yeah. that leads you to believe, Oh, he'd be great as this mobster. Who's just like this force of nature. Yeah. Often by just so while is, sitting behind his desk and his decades older than Marlon Brando. Yeah. Is at and that so, point too. and, and that's the thing is, you know, certainly he was able to transform himself, but like, it's one of those things that now you wouldn't think of that as being, I wouldn't say controversial, but unconventional because now you can't think of Vito Corleone without thinking of those choices, like the mustache, the voice, the, the appliance to make him kind of look like a bulldog. Like those are, they just feel so inherently right that it's crazy to think that, Oh yeah, that's the guy from, uh, you know, the wild one. Yeah. What? So, um, <clears throat> all right, we should wrap up pretty soon. I want to mention one that we don't think of now, this is a big thing like uh, of me really like going back and going, Oh, at the time this seemed weird, but now like, mm. but Leslie Nielsen an airplane. Sure. That's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, not, that's not who he was. And that was yeah. then for the rest of his career. That's all he was. Yeah. It's the flip side of the comedian thing. Like it's, yeah. don't be wrong. When you see uh, dramatic actors do comedy, it's always, it's always fun, but that's one where not only was he a dramatic actor, but he was this very deadpan, serious type of actor, yeah. which is exactly why he worked for airplane. Uh, and yeah. then he just kept doing that. Um, and then I want to run through cause I have so many musicians. I can't get to all of them. I okay. run through some, uh, some country stars, Lyle Lovett and the player. Sure. Dwight Yoakam and Red Rock West, Dolly Parton in nine to five. Mm hmm. All of them great, and some some rappers. Willie Nelson's about. been in a number of things uh, as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, hold on, I had a bunch of uh, rappers lined up. Um, oh yeah, because I want to talk about Eminem. 
Cause he's good in eight mile mm-hmm. and he's playing a version of himself. And I feel like we keep getting denied finding out if he'll be good because he keeps turning down movie roles because what's his name wanted him for Elysium. Matt Damon was the second choice for Elysium. Didn't know that. And, and Marshall Mathers basically said, because he's at that point, uh, you know, his daughter was, I think still in high, would have been in high school or something like that at that point. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. He basically said like, I'll do it if we can shoot, in and around Detroit. And obviously Neil Blomkamp uh, like had much bigger plans for going to yeah. Mexico and stuff like that. So they didn't. And then, um, I think Antoine Fuqua wanted him for Southpaw, which ended up being Jake Gyllenhaal. Huh. Um, so I feel like we will, we have yet to find out if, uh, if eight mile was a fluke or if, uh, Marshall Mathers is actually a good actor. I feel like he probably is. Now I have not seen six degrees of separation. Oh yeah. But Will Smith, I mean, he he had acted already, but it's such a different type of role. Right. And the different type of role than what he does now. Yeah. That's Will Smith like frustrates me because I know that he's good and I feel like he's, and Tom Cruise has kind of done the same thing. Uh, maybe it's a Scientologist thing. Uh, although I don't think, I don't think Will Smith is an admitted Scientologist. It's just the thing that everyone assumes is that right uh yeah having recently listened to the audiobook of going clear uh-huh. uh there is a section devoted to like that's one where uh there are rumors but at the same time those celebrities that are tend to be pretty outspoken about it and yeah. so if he was yeah wouldn't we he probably would we don't know, know. He, that's what i'm saying is he i feel like he plays it safe you know uh, yeah too often and i would like to see him challenge himself a, a little more. Uh, yeah. Six degrees of separa- separation is great. Uh, obviously ice cube in boys in the hood. Sure. Uh, is great. And then another one for sadder reasons than, Oh yeah. ASAP Rocky in dope was good. Um, but for sadder reasons than Eminem will never know what would have become of Tupac Shakur. Cause he's great in juice. He's so great in gridlock. I love gridlock. Gridlock is an amazing movie yeah. and, and no one knows about it, but it's like it's him and Tim Roth and they're both doing great work yeah. and it's just such a, it's, it's funny. There's, it's an action film, but it's also extremely sad. Yeah. It's a uh, dark, sad drug comedy yeah. with action. Yeah. It's good. That's a it's good movie. Really good movie. Directed by Bonnie Curtis Hall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, who knows what we would have seen out of Tupac? Uh, okay. So let's see. So along, uh, I will, I'll end with stuff that could be seen as offensive. So, uh, cause that's <laughs> always fun. Now. Yeah. Um, so as far as going against type, I think, Jimmy Stewart's work with Hitchcock was a big one, even though he is seen in stuff like rear window. What's funny is that the fact of this guy just spying on his neighbors, the fact of that (laughs) is sleazy and uncomfortable, but he actually kind of, he's so likable. He kind of takes us by the hand and leads us into this. So that it's just like, no, I mean, he's bored. Yeah. I mean, his, his leg is broken. Like what else is he supposed to do? (laughs) You know, uh, same with vertigo and just like, and even, even rope, his character is seen as kind of the, the conscience, but so much of the stuff that he says before he knows anyone is actually taking his philosophies seriously is still really callous. And it's, it's, it's very much 
as an academic, he's free, free to say whatever horse shit he wants without realizing, oh, yeah, I guess someone actually could make actually put this into practice, in which case, yeah, I guess I'm kind of a monster. Um, but that's the thing is, and that's the brilliance of the casting is that uh, yeah. it makes these characters so much more palatable to such an extent that. Uh, we might not think of these characters as inherently creepy, yeah. uh, but they are. And so it was, that was a huge risk for, for Jimmy Stewart. Good for him for taking it. Uh, yeah. I'm so, I'm so eager for you to get to these, uh, <laughs> offensive ones. Okay. Uh, so a few other ones before I get to that, uh, Harvey Keitel and last temptation of Christ, uh, an argument could be made uh, for every cast member, but you know, Willem Dafoe, yes, he's got an American accent, as does Barbara Hershey. Um, John Lurie. John Lurie, that's right. Um, but I will say, uh, and, and even like Harry Dean Stanton, they took that character of, of Paul into such a specific direction of seeming like a fire and brimstone preacher that this guy who has a Southern quality to him, like, right. okay, that makes sense. Harvey Keitel, who I think is marvelous as Judas, but he is, I mean, Harvey Keitel, damn it, I said marvelous again. Motherfucker. Sorry. I didn't notice, but it's, uh, yeah, if you kept doing it, I would have noticed eventually. Yeah, it's it's, good to get out in front of it, I guess. Yeah, it's bothering me. Anyway, it's how I know, here's the thing, I'm kind of tired today, and it's how I know Uh, I'm tired when I, when I lock into a specific word. So listeners, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, I think I think he's very effective in the role emotionally. But it's also Harvey Keitel. He's not hiding. He's so him. Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, you watch him in Reservoir Dogs, him in Bad Lieutenant, and him in Last Temptation of Christ. <laughs> You're getting the same thing all around. And that's not to say he's a bad actor. He just does not have a great deal of range. He has a a lot of emotional range. Right. You look at the piano and Bugsy, uh, and youth. Um, yeah. you know, he's, he has a lot of emotional range, but as far as his on-screen presence, he's not that different from one to the other. And so not only is he playing Judas, but also just him with the red hair is kind of strange to look at. Yeah. Um, I will say, I, I don't know if this is, it's not necessarily, risky casting but it's it's very purposeful casting and it's leonardo dicaprio and kate winslet in revolutionary road oh yeah and that's i feel like that's it is risky in a certain way it risks angering your audience because this is you know the 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 romance of our time is titanic yeah and so to take these two uh, these two romantic characters and then plunk them in the middle of a very disturbing film about marriage uh, and these characters that just hate each other. It's, it winds up being its own little commentary on Titanic. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. I like that movie better than uh, other people did. I think. Yeah. It's, it's one that actually I liked it at the time. I think it was in my top 10. I think it has grown in my estimation okay. since then. There's some corny stuff. Sam Mendes, right? There's going to be some yeah, corny stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also he's some, like, he's like, he like runs down the street in slow motion or something. It's like, I don't remember that, but I feel like that's probably true. <laughs> yeah. But Michael, uh, Michael Shannon is, is great in the film oh, yeah. and Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn. And, uh, is it, uh, is it David Harbour? Oh, uh, is it? oh it I think be. it is. Yeah. Um, that sounds right. And so, yeah, there's, but the, the, I mean, because you also knew that there are a number of people that if they watch that trailer, they think, Oh, 
DiCaprio and Winslet together again. Yeah. And then you see, you're like, oh, I don't want them. Maybe it's maybe it's good one of them died. Um, that reminds me that that sort of like um, metatextual casting reminded me of something um, that it, because I, I when I was I was googling. Uh, doing research for this, seeing what other people's ideas, and one that came up that I hadn't really thought of was um, uh, Sean Connery as King Richard in Robin Hood. Oh, sure, Prince of Thieves, because he had played Robin Hood in yeah. uh, Robin and Marion. Is that what it's called? Uh, Robin and Marion. Yeah. yeah, it's a good movie. And that, that's the thing. I never saw. I've still never oh, yeah. seen it. So, and certainly when I was eleven years old or whatever. I had no idea that was like uh, a bit of like stunt casting. And I mean, as Indiana Jones father, given like there, there are a lot of layers there because George Lucas, I think had wanted to either George Lucas or Steven Spielberg had been, no, that was it. Steven Spielberg was interested in making a James Bond movie. George Lucas said, I've got something better. And he, he said, there's this Indiana Jones thing. And so by, uh, by bringing in Sean Connery who played James Bond and having him be the father of Indiana Jones, it's almost its own little, yeah, this, there would be no Indiana Jones without James Bond. Like this idea of this guy who goes around and gets in adventures and is not necessarily unflappable, but, uh, in fact, we'll just say persistent. Like he's not unafraid, but he'll just keep going. Um, okay. So here we are at the, potentially offensive stuff. Okay. In, in some cases, I think it works. Other cases, I think it does not. Here we go. First off, John Wayne as Genghis Khan in the conqueror. <laughs> Have you seen the conqueror? No, I haven't. I've only seen scenes from it and it's not unlike Harvey Keitel. It's John Wayne being John Wayne, but having to, but having like this little mustache and they don't, I don't recall them doing it. Thankfully not doing anything really with his eyes. Um, but he is still saying this different type of dialogue and it just, man, it's a mess. What would you say are the big John Wayne movies? Cause I've never seen red river. I think that's a big blind spot, but I've seen stagecoach. I've seen the searchers. I've seen sins of Iwo Jima. I've seen the longest day. I'd say true grit. Um, okay. The man who shot Liberty Valance. Okay. And then El Dorado, Rio Bravo. Okay. Um, I got to do some, do some research. And then, and I would, and I would definitely say Red River. Um, that's, that's high. Oh, and the quiet man. Okay. I gotta see more of these movies. Yeah. I haven't seen all of them. I haven't seen the quiet man and I have not, let's see. I saw El Dorado. I did not see Rio Bravo. Essentially they're the same movie. Have you seen the longest day? No, it's not great, but Bit, uh, my favorite bit of trivia about it, which might not actually be true, but that I like to uh, repeat, mm-hmm. is that the whole idea of you know when you're watching a movie and it has like the at the beginning the 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 titles will have like the names of the cast and then it'll be like a major character actor in a large role and it'll be like and you know John yeah. Malkovich or whatever yeah so apparently the longest day is the genesis of that the reason is. John Wayne wanted top billing. Okay. Daryl Zanuck was insistent that the, his vision for the movie is that the, no one's the star. The battle's the star. We're just listing people alphabetically. Mm-hmm. John Wayne's name came last alphabetically. And so the compromise was, yeah. we'll put this and before your name so that you stand out. Apparently it that is the, that is the rumor that I've heard of. That's, that's how we got that sort of trope of, of casting of calling out uh, a special a- like actor in a character role. 
uh, it does. It does make it's. I do wonder how they how they decide who's the and person. Yeah. In Lord of the Rings, the and person is Sean Bean. In Infinity War, the and person is Chris Pratt. Oh yeah. And so, like, why him? Yeah, I'm, and I'm not sure it's a negotiating. I'm thing, sure it is. You know. I guess it's the way to. Like, hey, we've got we've got the entire MCU cast here. Uh, how do we differentiate? Maybe in the same way as John Wayne, like this guy is the head of the Guardians movies. Okay, so we can't. So, so we need to feature him prominently, but he's not going to be up there with Iron Man and Captain America and stuff. I don't know. Oh, right, yeah. It's okay. very it's very strange. Um, okay, so moving down uh this one's not necessarily offensive but kevin spacey and beyond the sea playing bobby darren as, and he's 20 years older than bobby darren ever oh, got right. to be um and i think they uh, they address it in the film if i'm not mistaken well, um, they didn't, i mean they just did that with um they, i say they it's because it's the same group of people who make every movie they sure um but no um at eternity's gate uh willem dafoe oh that's right yeah Van Gogh, like play 30 years older than yeah. Van Gogh ever got yeah. to be yeah um yeah, and they didn't digitally de-age him either. He looks like just as old and sinewy as ever. Um, so, uh, again, this one is not necessarily uh, offensive, but the idea of people playing this thing that they actually are not, that they're like, ver- that they verifiably are not. It's not like, oh, you have to do an accent or anything. Um, Kate Blanchett in I'm Not There. Okay. Um, being another one. Um <clears throat> Johnny Depp in the Lone in the Lone Ranger, which I didn't see. I didn't either, but I know that 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 was that one was controversial, and they thought, oh, what if we just paint his face completely, not like brown face or anything like that. He just wears like he just wears yeah, like he's in a black metal band. (laughs) Yeah, but then of course he does do a certain way, like he speaks in sort of the the stereotypical like Native American way. So I was like, okay, well that's not great. Um, Uh. I would say, uh, as much as I adore Lawrence of Arabia, both Alec Guinness and Anthony Quinn, I think they both do great. I think their they, their performances are are solid, and yeah. they, and there are such different types of performances. But I mean, and Anthony Quinn is so much fun to watch in it. But um, but I do think that yeah, neither of them are that nationality. Uh, Alec Guinness would do it again in Passage to India. He had already yeah. done it in. Um, uh, Oliver Twist, um, you know, putting on these noses and putting on the makeup and that Do kind you know, of thing. So West Side Story, a lot of the Puerto Rican characters are just white people with yeah. brown makeup on. And then they made Rita Marino put brown makeup on because she wasn't as dark as the white pe- people they, yeah. they put the makeup on. <laughs> Feels like there's a, an easier solution to this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that one is, and it's tough because... I'm not saying that I'm inherently against this. I know it was the early sixties probably weren't that many, uh, Hollywood probably didn't have access to not that Lawrence Arabia is a Hollywood film, but they probably did felt like, well, let's, we got to go with name actors and there aren't that many name. We have Omar Sharif. That's it. And he wasn't name actor yet. Um, but, uh, you know, compared with something like bridge on the river Kwai, where for Colonel Saito, they at least went with uh, an actor of that nationality. Um, but then of course, along those lines, probably the most, uh, well known as far as being offensive is Mickey Rooney. Oh yeah. In, uh, breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes. Yes. Which I've never seen, but yeah, that is the most well known 
the probably the second most well known is Charlton Heston in uh, oh, sure. Evil, yeah, yeah, a, a Mexican. And it's tough because those, you know, that certainly wasn't controversial at the time. It's something that in retrospect we look back on uh, and say, oh, that was not great casting. Um, and then when you realize that both. Orson Welles and Lawrence Olivier played Othello in yeah. blackface, um, which this from a, there's at least a stage tradition of that, but that doesn't mean it's a good one. Um, um, there's, uh, okay. Speaking of things changing, I'm reminded of, um, a thing that Michael Moore says in where to invade next about, okay. about, about protesting and, and, and being an activist for change that often it seems like you're making no progress at all for years and years and years. And then suddenly things change all at once. It's kind of how it feels a lot of the time. Um, and I know this is only like a five year old movie, but Dallas buyers club, if it came out in 2019, Jared Leto win, would it even be nominated for Oscars? Um, to have a a, a a a cis man in a in a trans role, have, I think have, he would especially with the new Academy. Like, oh yeah, no, I don't I, think so. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it would. I don't think it would. I think we're. I think he might still have quickly. gotten cast. I think. It's, I hope not. That's possible. I hope. I hope not. I mean, I don't know. We just had that movie Girl this past year, the, the Belgian movie um, that. Uh, uh, but but even that movie got so like it. Played at Cannes last year, got largely praised by the Cannes audience uh, with the Cannes critics who, mm-hmm. you know, even though a lot of critics that I like attend Cannes and we have a critic at Cannes. We sure year, do. Um, the, the critics who attend Cannes tend to be the type of critics who can afford to attend Cannes. And so yeah. it tends to be a privileged um, and largely white uh, uh, audience. Um, though not for us. Uh, well, that's a question though um is uh i I feel that's yeah because our uh, contributor is brazilian um and from an american point of view brazilians we'd think of them all as latin americans but within brazil there are white brazilians and there are uh indigenous you know uh and black brazilians Uh, my last name my last name is smith yeah everybody's (laughs) exotic to me person of color to you (laughs) um uh so anyway, so then the, so the movie Girl came out, it was largely praised, and then as it played more and more places, more and more people were, I think, rightly horrified by it. Um, I, I hated it myself, uh, to the point where Netflix, I don't even know if they ever officially released it. They might mm-hmm. have like snuck it out with no fanfare at yeah. some point, but like the, so I, I, this is all to say, I don't know if Jared Leto would have gotten cast if they were making the movie today. Well, it speaks to, it, I think it also speaks to this idea of like, you know, what, cause uh, what, how comfortable are we with some, with the concept of acting and how far are we willing to go with it? Um, I know that, uh, there was some low level criticism of that movie rocket man, not for the, the obvious reason that it's probably not very good. Uh, but for, <laughs> change my mind rocket man and yeah. I'm, I'm perfectly willing to have my mind changed i'm sure it's fine but the point is uh people were criticizing it. they're like well taron Ed- edgerton is not gay so why should yeah. he play elton john and then elton john himself spoke out against that and i believe he said that like he said that's bullshit uh but i do think that's that's, think that's different the, than what we're talking about with like lawrence of arabia and it's also different when we're talking about with transgender i i as i understand it i mm-hmm. think the big my big takeaway on issues like this is to 
uh, hashtag check my privilege and sort of listen to the marginalized group that is potentially being further marginalized or offended or whatever by it. Like, you know, their opinion probably goes a long way. So uh, I feel like in general, I don't hear a lot of gay people saying you shouldn't have, yeah. Um, uh, straight people playing gay characters or whatever. I, I don't hear that a lot, so I don't think it's a problem. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it will be someday, but, um, um, I think there's, there's not, I guess your sexuality is something that is, takes place inside you, I guess. Whereas race I, and transgender, um, identities are, outwardly presenting and so it uh maybe that's where the line is really yeah. i'd say just listen to the people <laughs> uh, yeah i think the easiest way to to not fuck up as a yeah. person of privilege so so much of it boils down i think to visibility and the idea of like okay does this person have to apply makeup to make their skin look different uh you know what sorry this is not a casting thing but this gets into what we're talking about which is i remember a lot of people with cloud atlas were were frustrated at the the visual effects used to like make non-asian actors appear asian and yeah and at the same time given the nature of the film i feel like people are maybe a bit more forgiving of it because it's the idea of like well these actors are going to play everything but also i think the idea of in in those cases because those are all future cases right and i think the idea of the movie is not it's not that keith david is playing an asian character right it's that further in the future the you know races have blend more you know everybody's fucking everybody yeah and it's not so i i don't think so yeah all all, because all the issues you're talking about are people in the future so i don't think jim sturgis is supposed to be is it jim sturgis I think so. Uh, I don't think he's supposed to be playing an Asian. Like he's not supposed to be playing a Korean man in the sense of a 2019 Korean man. Right. He's supposed to be playing the 800 or whatever years in the future. Um, uh, it is. And that's the idea. I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't be offended by that. If you're offended by that, go ahead and be offended by that. I'm saying that was my impression of, of those, of those choices. Yeah. And it's, but that's and that's the thing is if you'll pardon me you're talking about that in context of the film sure yeah and i think a lot when of you people, just see the still of jim sturgis with his uh, eyes right. narrowed yeah it yeah. looks weird yeah. and and i don't necessarily like the con uh, the concept of outrage culture and and because i think that's dismissive of people who might have a legitimate beef that's fine but i do i my argument is usually first off there. Yeah. That should never be a publicity still. Uh, not that I think, not that I think it necessarily was, no, but you know, but it is, um, I mean, it's in the trailer, you know? Yeah. And I feel like yeah. it's a thing to downplay. You sort of have to, if you're going to have that, you need to require people see it in context. Um, cause if there's someone who, you know, everybody, you have a, we have a right to be offended. That's perfectly fine. I don't have a right to take your, I don't, you know, you don't have the right for me to take your offense totally seriously. And so if someone wants to be offended based on an, a single image, as opposed to you th- as someone who not only has seen the film, but many times yeah. and loves it more than probably even the creators, um, <laughs> you know, I'm more inclined to take your, your, uh, opinion seriously 
because though you might be fr- coming from a place of privilege, you're also coming from a place of knowledge because you actually know sure, sure. what's going on there. So, um, but yeah, sorry, we that's that we got away from casting there. But uh, yeah, were there any other examples you wanted to bring uh, up? I don't think so. I think I think we hit everything, and uh, and I try, like I said, I did try to bring. Oh, this here's one. I only heard this a little bit at the time, but it is something that I heard in regards to gone baby gone. And I think I've, I think I've mentioned it before that Casey Affleck, the the character of Patrick, I forget his last name in gone baby gone is supposed to be this tough as nails, uh, private investigator in Boston. Now you wouldn't think of Casey Affleck with his kind of higher voice and slight frame as being tough as nails. And so it's this idea that, Oh, but his brother directed it. So in a way it's nepotism, but it's also this, it's, it's this weird idea that, that goes back and forth for me. It never in a negative sense, but it's this idea that like it might have been nepotism, but it could also be that the only director that would ever see the actual truth that Casey Affleck can absolutely pull that character off Mm -hmm. is his brother. Mm. Like, because he's in this unique position to know that about him. And so it's like, Oh, so nepotism, not to suggest that's the only reason, but like, except that no other director would have done that. Yeah. And so like, I guess nepotism paid off, uh, in this regard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there are, I think the, the bigger example of that for a lot of people is Jack Reacher, which I never read the books, but he's supposed to be like, people are saying like Dwayne Johnson should play Jack Reacher based on the way he's described in the books. Whereas Tom Cruise is, you know, what five foot, five and a half feet tall. (laughs) Like I think, I I think he's like five, five. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I was even giving him an, an extra inch there. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's our episode. And I would like to, I feel like I'd like to do an, uh, we can't do it next week cause we already have something planned, but I would like to do a follow up of perfect casting where it's like, this is so like, it could be like a character you already know. And then they get cast and you're like, well, you don't, you don't do better than that. That is the essence. Like obviously Danny DeVito as the penguin is the perfect casting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so like there yeah. are other examples, uh, that I would like to, to dig into. I can't think of any offhand. Um, but I would like hmm. to talk about that at some point. Who else was perfect? Kenneth Branagh as Gilderoy Lockhart. That's damn near perfect. <laughs> yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And we can, we can, uh, talk about that uh, another time, but yeah. So, okay. Um, so, you can find us at battleshippretension.com this week on the website that we mentioned that our uh, correspondent Luis Olvera is um, covering can for us. He's got reviews of the lighthouse and once upon a time in Hollywood and the dead don't die and uh, the new Ken Loach movie. Sorry, we missed you is what it's mm-hmm. called and the new Brazilian movie, uh, which I'm putting off to last because I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, okay. Bacaro, Bacaro, Bacaro. I don't know how yeah. to say it. Um, also you've got reviews this week. Let's see. West reviewed echo in the Canyon. Um, Alex wrote about Los Angeles plays itself. The great, uh, movie, mm-hmm. um, Jim over at, uh, I did movies badly talked about the Dario Argento and George Romero film two, two evil eyes as part of his George Romero series, which allowed me to pick a very gross header image that I was yeah, very th- proud of. Thanks for that. Very proud of getting to, to tweet that out. Let's see. Dane reviewed the documentary Halston. Tyler, you wrote, uh, Tyler's takes is back. You wrote a take. <laughs> They have never been called that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Alex also reviewed the new documentary, The Proposal, which sounds really interesting. And I uh, reviewed um, the 
recent Blu-ray release of 1994's Farinelli. That's just some of the stuff that's on the website right now. So go there, check it out. You can email us at David at Battleship or Tyler at Battleship You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. You can follow Tyler at Tyler Pretension. Tyler, anything you want to promote over more than one lesson? Uh, just that um, the guys at the fear of God are, have been working their way through Stephen King related projects, uh, whether they be, you know, uh, books or loose adaptation, uh, loose film adaptations, TV adaptations, that sort of thing. Uh, I did want to mention um, our Patreon. I was definitely were, saving that for last. Okay, okay. Yes. This week on the Patreon, it was a really fun episode. <laughs> we talked about uh, the latest, uh, uh, chain food slash studio movie tie-in. We talked about the uh, the Ugly Dolls treats yeah. over at Cold Stone Creamery, still available through the end through May twenty eighth, I believe. All right. Um, and the Patreon, you go to patreon.com slash battleship pretension. There's two levels. There's five dollars a month, which gets you all the Patreon episodes, and there's ten dollars a month, which gets you all the Patreon episodes as either as audio or as video. And I feel like this one. Uh, is definitely yeah. tailor made for the video because you get to see these huge, brightly colorful uh, Cold Stone Creamery treats. You get to see us eat on camera, which but, I'm sure is fun. But don't you worry, audio listeners. Pop rocks come into play, and you can hear them. Oh, you can! Oh Good. boy, you can! Oh, I'm so excited! I couldn't, I couldn't really tell how loud they're being. Yeah. Um, oh, that's that's exciting. Uh, so yeah, that's at the Patreon that we had a really fun episode, uh, this week. We'll do more, uh, we'll do more of these in the future as there right, are more, more treats. Hopefully it won't only be cold stone creamy. I was a little bit sick to my stomach. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, I, I didn't care for it. Uh, I, I liked, no, I liked the, it in the moment. I liked the ice cream. Well, yes. listen to the episode. You'll hear our, our, our opinions of it. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.